0: everybody, welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. This is your new Comics Wednesday episode for December 22nd, 2021. Just a couple days before Christmas, so we hope you're all having a happy holiday. And I don't know about you, Jay, but typically, typically, December is a slow month for comics, right? Like, end of the year, stuff starts slowing down. Man, we had like 12 books yesterday on the DC Spotlight. We got 14 books today and we could have probably talked about 20. And I looked at next week already. We got a ton of books coming out next week. I, what happened to the like holiday break?
1: <laughs> I know. It's like the, what were we saying? We said this before. There's five Wednesdays in a month. The last week is super heavy for yeah, some reason, but uh, yeah. even December, I guess.
0: doesn't make any sense, man. I've I, I got to buy a Christmas presents. So I can't be spending all this money on comics, but. that that being said man it's a really good week there are there are some great great comics and uh we're going to talk about 14 books like i said spoiler free as we always do if you're looking for the dc stuff go check out the dc spotlight from yesterday that does have spoilers so be warned forewarned is forearmed read the dc books first before you go and listen to that if you care uh, if you don't want to be spoiled today will be spoiler free and yeah, I could, we could have talked about 20 books easily, but uh, narrowed it down to 14. So we'll dive right in, uh, starting with Amazing Spider-Man. So again, the writer's room style with uh, a big group of people, Kelly Thompson, Cody Ziegler, Saladin Ahmed, Patrick Gleason, and Zeb Wells, known as the Beyond Board. Uh, this particular issue, Saladin Ahmed is credited as the writer, Jorge Fornes as the artist, which I thought that was an interesting choice. Because uh, his art is sort of—I don't want to say minimalist, but it's definitely a certain, has a certain aesthetic, which I wouldn't necessarily associate with Spider-Man. But uh, he's a fantastically talented artist for sure. Dan Brown does the colors. Joe Caramon is on letters. This had a little bit of a horror vibe, right? What do you think, Jay?
1: Uh, it was absolutely a horror vibe. I couldn't—I don't understand why I put it in December, but uh, the story felt out of place. But it was interesting. It was an adventure more or less for Peter and MJ. We don't see Ben at all in this one. Uh, It's creepy. It's the hospital thing going on. The horror uh, concept. The ending, I guess we get to see a little bit of Misty and Colleen as they do like they're hunting down one of uh, Peter's old friends, I guess you would say. It wasn't a bad story. I guess the artwork was a little different for Spider-Man. It felt more like a horror vibe, but uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. But it just fell out of place, I guess, in the whole scheme of the Spider-Man storyline so far.
0: Yeah, it kind of felt like, and again, you know, we've talked about this, the fact that Amazing Spider-Man's like a weekly book now, like, it turns out they didn't need as many issues as they thought they did. So they said, okay, can somebody write like a one, like a fill-in? Because that's what it felt like. It felt like a fill-in issue that it didn't really make sense that it would be here so. Like again, if you don't if you don't need all the space, if the if Amazing Spider Man doesn't need to be a weekly book, then don't make it a weekly book. So, not to say these creators aren't talented, but yeah, I could have done without this one. To be honest with you, felt very out of place coming out a couple of days before Christmas. So, uh, anyway, my first book is also a Marvel book. It's Avengers Forever. I know a lot of people have been anxiously awaiting this one. Um, if you're familiar with the old uh the the original avengers forever from uh, i think it was kurt busick that wrote it way back in the day um don't expect this to seem familiar at all this is a completely different story and for that reason i kind of wish they figured out a way to call it something else um because it it it's not related to that story at all completely different but yet same name so uh it doesn't have the creators broken down except for the letter so it just says by jason aaron Aaron Cooter, Cam Smith, Jason Keith, and Triona Farrell. So I know Triona Farrell's a color artist, um, and Jason Aaron's a writer. The rest are all artists, as far as I know. And then Corey uh, Petit is listed as the letterer. So this was this was interesting. Um, and I, I'm not reviewing Avengers 51 in this episode, because, I again, <laughs> it's already at 14 books, had to cut something. Um, but that sort of tied into what happened in Avengers 50, and, and so does this. So in a way, I sort of feel like you need to be reading the regular Avengers title to get the most out of this Avengers Forever book. But I think you can still understand what happens in Avengers Forever without reading the regular uh, Avengers book. So it's definitely sort of like a, a what if or a uh, an Elseworlds to borrow an, um, a term from DC. And it, it's pretty interesting. It has me it has me hooked right away. Um, I, I like what Jason Aaron is doing. Um, and it's interesting, right? Because he just did the whole Heroes Reborn thing, uh, the, that kind of mini event this summer at Marvel, where he was kind of playing with the Marvel multiverse. So it seems more and more like maybe they're running out of stories to tell in the regular 616 universe. So they're definitely taking advantage of that and of, of the Marvel multiverse. And telling some some unique stories so i'm going to be curious to see how this all plays out again uh probably need to read avengers 50 to uh to understand what's going on here and then don't necessarily have to read avengers 51 but uh you might get a little more out of this if you if you do because the avengers 51 has some multiverse stuff going on as well so uh, we're we definitely see some familiar faces in this issue but they're not necessarily recognizable and and what i mean by that uh, you know you see characters whose names you know but they're not necessarily in the roles that you would expect and it ends up being really intriguing right so you know right now we have over at dc the whole aquaman green arrow story where they're it's been freaky they've been freaky friday and they're sort of living each other's lives it's a little bit like that here with avengers forever where you're seeing some really classic old school Avengers and roles that you're maybe not used to seeing them in. So, uh, I thought it was fantastic. The art was great. Color work was, was done really well. It, it definitely has sort of a feel of a post-apocalyptic sort of desolate planet, you know, um, the little guy against the big guy, you know, the bad guys are winning all that kind of those tropes. So excited to see what, uh, what direction Jason Aaron takes it in. But again, I do wish it wasn't called something else instead of Avengers Forever just because, and that names have been used. So, uh all right. Up next, we have another Marvel title from Jay. It's by writer Jed McKay. Art is by Alessandro Capuccio. Colors are by Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters by Corey Petit. It's Moon Knight Horoscope part two. It's issue number six um i don't know felt felt a little bit of a like a slow issue to me jay i don't know what did you think
1: yeah I, it was like a slow burn i guess you could say <laughs> i mean this one is no spoiler we found out that terry uh his friend is actually uh zodiac you know the bad guy um battle pursues but uh i guess you could say it doesn't go the way i guess uh, moon i thought the battle would go he has to get some help from uh, an old friend i guess hunter moon has an appearance i guess it's sort of a team up in this issue. But he helps him out uh, in a lot of ways to help, I guess. Uh, I don't want to give away, but he has to help him out a lot in the story. Uh, and that's pretty much what his story focuses around, I guess, is like his healing process. Um, and that was pretty much it. I mean, uh, in the last issue, we know that the, his uh, building got burnt down. But, you know, Moon Knight's going to stay and you know rebuild everything more or less. Like I said, it was just kind of slow. And I was like, OK, I went through it, and I was like, that, that, that was it. I was a little let down, but we'll see what they go next to the next issue.
0: Yeah, like we get a couple of pages of fighting, and then that's it. Then,
1: yeah. was well, Moon Knight, it's like more, ba- you know, more of a, of a fight, but it was like that's it. Okay, cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, w- one thing that I did that I did actually like about it, you know, I've I've been talking about hoping that Jed McKay can kind of put the genie back in the bottle in terms of all these different personalities or or you know phases, I guess, you know, like phases of the moon, phases of Moon Knight's personality. And, and the fact that Marvel's leaned into it in recent years of, of basically him being a crazy guy, like him being a lunatic, uh, I don't go in for the whole Moon Knight's insane thing. It's just not fun for me. Um, like I get that Marvel likes to have their characters have flaws, but to me that's a that's a bridge too far. So, if this healing that is done in this issue, if maybe there was some mental healing as well, I'll be glad if things just get a little little cleaned up. Doesn't need to be so far out there. And lean into the whole, because part of what I don't like about having Moon Knight be crazy is you never know what you're seeing in the comic is actually happening or if he's hallucinating. And I don't like that. I want to know that what I'm reading matters. You know what I mean? And it's not just some crazy dream sequence. Uh, all right. I have another Marvel book. Marvel Heavy Week, man. Marvel had a lot of great books this week. So uh, we know Dark uh kind of mini event that Steve Orlando uh, is doing. And there's a Darkhold Alpha, there's a Darkhold Omega. In the in the middle of that are all these Spider-Man or uh, all these other Darkhold books where they're talking about the team that's going to go and try to take out uh, Sithon. So uh, Darkhold Spider-Man the last one. It's written by Alex Pacnadel. Dio Neves is the artist. Jim Charles is the color artist. Uh, and Clayton Cowell does the letters. This story in here was so disturbing like like all of the dark hold books from iron man to blade to wasp to black bolt and now to spider-man those five members of the team they've all been bleak to downright horrifying <laughs> you know in some cases um and i i feel like marvel definitely accomplished what it, they set out to do because None of these books that you read about these, these are heroes, you know, Iron Man, Blade, Wasp, Black Bolt, Spider-Man. These are, these are typical Marvel heroes, no doubt, you know, they're not anti-heroes no doubt these people have, have sacrificed, they've saved the world countless times in Marvel comics. Um, And what's interesting is they've been subverted in these one shots, not to say they've become bad guys. Uh, They're still clearly the heroes of their own story. Some of them are making really terrible choices uh, like Iron Man, but you wonder how much that's influenced by what's, you know, the consequences and the things that are happening to them. That's sort of the situation that Spider-Man finds himself in. He's in a no-win situation, and he's been in that situation for a really long time. And he's, he's just at his breaking point. And what ends up happening in the story ends up being really disturbing in a, in a creepy way. Like when I got to the last page, I was like, man, that's effed up, man. That's like, yeah, (laughs) you know, and and you don't blame Peter for making the choices that he makes. um, But it just, it's, it's disturbing. Uh, It's disturbing. I'll put it that way. So Uh, like the whole issue can be summed up. There's a quote on the last page and it says, in hell, there's no other punishment than to begin over and over again the tasks left unfinished in your lifetime. That's a great way to sum it up. Like, you know, the the futility of just trying endlessly and things never getting better. So bleak and desolate. Uh, And I I also got a shout out uh, Diego Neves, Dio Neves. Uh, the artist who did a a great job of making it look dynamic um and and good storytelling and really clean art that still was moody and disturbing in its own right you know typically you know talking about horror art and get muddy and details aren't clean line work gets kind of you know questionable at times that didn't happen here at all thought it was fantastic so Uh, It was disturbing, and I liked it uh, because it was disturbing in a good way. Uh, Okay, up next is Radiant Black, number 11, a book that Jay and I are both big fans of, written by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark. We have Marcelo Costa as the artist. Colorist is Matteo Iacono. Letters are by Becca Carey. Edit and design by Michael Basudel. Um, Yeah, so we saw it last issue, issue 10 uh, that Nathan's woken up. So that's where this issue sort of picks up. What'd you think, Jay?
1: It was good. I really liked, uh, I've never been this way with this, uh, series so far. The story is always, uh, interesting. It was still a little curveballs, And this one was a nice one right off the bat. We know that, uh, I don't want to give it away, but we know there's, there's, there's a time gap in this, in, uh, for Marshall returning. <laughs> so it's like, okay, nice. So he's got to clean that up. We get a team up uh, with uh, Radiant Pink, which is which is interesting because there were like we hated her to begin with. I mean, if you're a fan of the comedy, first read about it, you're like, oh, she's bad. But then the more you find out, you're like, okay, she's not so bad. <laughs> the ending is good, uh, but I guess I guess we can say that uh, Nathan is still in the game. He's not totally out, you know. I mean, he's still part of this uh, Radiant Black storyline. He's you know he's still going to have a, a role in the, in the story, which I liked a lot. I'm glad to see that. And uh, like I said, when they had the whole team up, they got like a, I guess there's, I guess this goes back, I'm not sure which issue it was, where they find all those weaponry in that, in that, that uh, I guess a vault, whatever, I guess now it's coming back to, in the storylines, coming back in the storyline, it seems like. So I like that, that they don't forget the other parts of the story, you know, that they wrote. So I like that a lot. But yeah, I enjoyed the series so far. and This is, was a good issue.
0: Yeah, it had a ton of action in this issue, which is... Uh... Not that it hasn't been action packed before, but yeah, they 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 went all out this issue. So I I feel like with issue eleven, um, just about at the place where I need to go back and do a full reread of the whole series to pick up on little tidbits that maybe I missed. So yeah, fantastic series. Uh, another fantastic series from Image is Deep Beyond, written by Mirka Andolfo and David Goy. We have uh, art by Andrea Brocardo. Colors are by Barbara Nisenzo. I've been singing the praises of this book all along uh, since issue one. I hope you guys are listening. I hope you're picking it up. I hope you're reading it. It is just so fascinating that the the journey that we've been taken on from, you know, kind of a a smaller scope story where the, the world's been poisoned and people are living under domes trying to survive to, you know, conspiracy theory to visiting other dimensions with aliens where they're, you know, very far advanced from us and their, their whole reality and existence, the plane of existence is different time passes um, much faster. There, you know, it could be a couple of days go by on earth millennia go by on, in this other world. So uh, it, it, it's just, it's fascinating um, to create these giant scientific uh, sort of sci-fi tropes Um these big ideas, but then they're grounded with the politics and the emotion and the frailty and kind of the, the fracturing of, of society in this world where there's not enough resources, there's uh, you know, danger at every turn in terms of the environment. Um, cause we didn't take care of the earth. So, uh, this is a fantastic story. I can't wait till it's all said and done and I can, I can read the whole thing. Um, you know, in, in one sitting, like, I, this, I imagine this is a book I'm going to, it's going to be one of those books that I read every, every year, at least, you know, um, just because it's that good. So uh, again, it, it's getting fantastic reviews, but I really don't, I don't know anyone else who's reading it. So uh, critical acclaim, but it needs, it needs readers too. So, uh, all right, let's move on. Let's see. Up next, we have uh, another one of Jay's books, also from Image. Uh, This one's by Rick Remender, art by Andrea Limo Arajo. It's A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. We're up to issue number three, and (laughs) we finally get a little bit of idea what's going on. Obviously, we can't say anything to you guys because we don't want to spoil, which makes this book kind of hard to talk about. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I'm hooked. I don't know about you, Jay
1: yeah like i said when i first read this it was kind of i was lost it took because they'd never say the main character's name i had like i said i had to do some research to find okay the guy's name is sunny he's the main character of the book but yeah it's uh it's interesting what he does to get to this point of the story and obviously he's not a he's not a a villain he's not trained on anything obviously he's not trained in hand-to-hand or anything like that but it's just like we're getting farther into the story. We're getting more uh, of the story now. We're getting, like you said, it's coming kind of a, a clearer picture, and I'm really, really enjoying it. I just want to see what happens next because every issue is getting better and better. I want to know more and more about what's going on, and like the ending of this the little cliffhanger was really good. You're like, wow, I didn't see that at all. <laughs> so now you know he did the right thing, but it's like, okay, it's not complete yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first issue hardly even had any any dialogue, any words right. at all, um, and and Second issue had a little bit more. This one had a little bit more. Uh, we learned something about Sonny that kind of pulls you in, in the story even more. Like, well, wait, if if he's this thing, which is not what you expect him to be, then why is he making the choices and doing the things that he's he's doing? So, right, like, you know, it, it, it's not like this is a mystery in terms of like Sonny's investigating something or the people in the story are. You know, there's some sort of mystery in terms of the story, but it's a mystery to us readers because we're just thrown into this world, and we're not privy to their thoughts. Like, there's no thought balloons or anything, but there's also no exposition in terms of, there's no dialogue boxes, there's no boxes that say, okay, you're, you know, you're in this setting or you're in that setting or you know, this was five years ago or I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's the the visual storytelling, which is fantastic the art the detail uh transitions from panel to panel like all of it is like I, i'm not familiar with this artist um andre uh lima Arojo, but i mean stunning work man stunning so good so good i, I mean to me this is like probably when it's said and done it's probably going to win some awards it wouldn't surprise me at all because it's that it's that different and, and kind of innovative uh, all right. I'm going to switch back to Marvel for Iron Man number 15. This is from writer Christopher Cantwell. The art is by Ibram Roberson. Colors are by Frank DiArmada. Letters by Joe Caramagna. We saw last issue that Tony Stark, while battling Korvac, both of them entered the, um, uh, they were on board Dow 2, which is the uh, Galactus's world ship, and they both went inside the ship's transmutation chamber and absorbed all of Galactus's cosmic power, right. Um, Power cosmic or whatever it's called. So, I mean, each of them got a a piece of it and they, they ended up as, as like literal gods. And in this issue is their battle. And it, it's interesting the way that it gets resolved. I guess it's a little bit to be expected if not, maybe a little ex deus machina from Cantwell, but the point is not really the fight. Like, I mean, did anybody, when you started reading this and knew Corvac was the villain, did any reader ever think for a second that Korvac would actually win? Um, but there's the the way that it is resolved and, and Corvac's reaction leaves it open to a lot more. Like I, I would never prior to this have thought of Korvac as an Iron Man villain. I think of him more as an Avenger villain, right? Like a, a villain for the the whole group of heroes as a group. Now, after after this, Cantwell has firmly put him. I think in in the Iron Man Rogues Gallery. Um, but the consequences of of the Power Cosmic and Tony having it, and who he is as a person, the fact that he always wants to, you know, build bigger better faster stronger um and now that he has this ability to like change reality uh could he become the villain of his own story that that's what's fascinating that that's what i'm that's what i'm looking forward to to Cantwell exploring next so uh and also the art by uh, Roberson is fantastic very cosmic in scope um just watching these guys duke it out amongst the planets is is fantastic so yeah uh cantwell in my mind is is just firing all cylinders in this iron man run it's uh it's super epic so uh all right for jay we're up to uh first aftershock book of the week it's by john sue and steve orlando as the writers. Rubin is the artist. DC Alonzo does the colors. Carlos Manguel on letters. It's search for who number four. Goodbye, love. Goodbye. One issue left. Uh, this one was action packed for sure. What did you think, Jay?
1: It was good. Like I said, it had a lot of action in there it. and it's funny because uh, I guess the main character, uh, Aaron and MK I always felt like there was like a relationship thing there, but I guess the more you get into it, it's like, I guess it was like brother or sister, more or less. I guess that's the vibe that they have. It's nothing romantic. Not yet anyway, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of portrayal going on in this, uh, a lot of setup, but uh, everyone tries to do a lot of this stuff on his own, but he always has MK somehow, you know, watching his back, which is kind of neat because that kind of shows that he's not a superhero. He's not super, you know, badass, but he's got to have someone helping him out along the way. But yeah, it all leads up to the battle, and this battle leads up to like the very final. So I guess we're gonna see how it's, they're gonna tie up the, the storyline and see how both families stay or go. I guess we'll find out how, how it's gonna how it's gonna play out. But yeah, it's been a fun read though, and it's it's interesting to see the development of the character in it. Because I yeah. guess he because I figured had PSD and in a sense he does, but I think he's kind of getting over a little by little.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is the aspect of sort of crime noir crime family mob stories or what have you that doesn't get told enough right like when one family goes up against another um you know again it's it, we've seen this sort of the seeds of the story before so somebody's an outsider they be- find out they belong to one of the families they f- kind of try to join the family while the family's that war with another family and then what happens is that outsiders sort of on, you know, you have the two sides that each family's on and then the outsiders kind of on a side of their own. So it ends up being like a three-way battle, uh, almost. So, uh, I like that dynamic. I like what, uh, Sue's been doing. The art is spectacular. So detailed, so much action. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how this one all all wraps up and you could easily see this as a movie, right? Like, uh, it's yeah, yeah, classic, classic Hong Kong, Eastern, uh, Eastern, uh, you know, East Asia type action movie or whatnot. Uh, okay. Phoenix song echo number three from Rebecca Roanhorse is uh, up next. The art is by Luca Maresca and Kyle Charles colors by Carlos Lopez and Brian Valenza. Uh, letters by Ariana Mar. Uh, I didn't. I'm not sure what's going on with the art in the first couple of pages. It didn't seem as clean as, as last issue. Um, and then even as we get in to the book, it, it gets a lot cleaner after the first couple of pages. So I, I don't know. It felt, I was kind of worried when I saw the first couple of pages with forge there, I was like, wait, why does that look so different? So not hundred percent sure what's going on there, but overall, I, I like what this is uh, doing. It's really establishing echo as a little bit more of a softer character. I haven't read a lot of Echo of Maya Lopez in the past. I have read some of her recently in Avengers. This is a little bit of a softer side. I, th- I think it's needed. I think it makes her more relatable. Um, and the other thing that uh, Rebecca Roanhorse is doing, the writer, is she's definitely pulling in aspects of the Native American ancestry of Echo, which I think is really important. And I love the fact that Marvel got an actual Native American person, a person that has a Native American ancestors to actually write the story because that leads authenticity to it. Like, I mean, oftentimes when it, you read stories about Red Wolf or or whoever, whatever other, um, you know, John Proudstar, who, whoever it is um, in the Marvel universe that has Native American roots, I always kind of take it with a grain of salt because I don't know how, how true it is to, to their beliefs and, uh, you know, how accurate the portrayal is. So I love that any sort of Native American feel and flavor that this has, uh, I know that it's authentic from Rebecca. So uh, again, I'm not the most familiar with Echo, but I think Rebecca's doing a fantastic job because it's pulling me in, and I'm I'm I want to keep reading this book. And the art's fantastic. Other than just the weird vibe those first couple of pages had, so not sure what happened there. Uh, also, the cover is fantastic. So uh, not totally on board still with Echo being the one that gain the power of the Phoenix just because she's somewhat of a minor character. Obviously, Marvel's kind of investing in her and trying to turn her into a more important character. Um, And and based on the characterization that Rebecca gives her here, she is is deserving uh, of being a more important character. I just don't know that I necessarily see her as Phoenix. So uh, I guess we'll wait and see how that all plays out. Uh, Okay. Up next, we have Wastelanders Hawkeye number one. This is from writer Ethan Sachs. Ibram Roberson, same guy that did the art in uh, in the Iron Man book, does the art here. Dijo Lima is the color artist. Corey Petit on letters. Uh, and if you're not familiar with these Wastelander one-shots, they're basically set in the kind of the Old Man Logan or Old Man Hawkeye possible future um, of the Marvel Universe where all the superheroes have been wiped out. What do they, they called it the fall of heroes or whatever they were all wiped out when all the villains decided to finally team up and Mysterio brainwashed uh, Logan and Logan ended up killing a bunch of heroes because he thought they were actually villains. So uh, that's where this is, is set. So what did you think of this one, Jay?
1: Oh, I was going to say, I was a big fan of, uh, ever since they did the old man Logan storyline, it was just an interesting storyline uh, when they came up with that I thought, Hey, this is great. These one shots aren't too bad. Uh, Wasteland Hawkeye. It's uh not much of a Hawkeye fan, but ever reading an old man Hawkeye, I was like, okay, it's actually pretty entertaining, you know. Um, it was a good story. The artwork is great in this. Uh, I just like how we get to see some of the heroes and villains uh, as old people. So we get to see someone without teeth and how they're all aging and whatnot. I like it. I don't want to give away too much of it, but he uh, Hawkeye needs a mentor. He finds another hero to mentor him um, through his pain and whatnot. And he sets him on a mission to... Uh, to deliver something to another uh a villain the ending is funny because there's it was a two-way uh, it was the mission was supposed to accomplish two things and the first one was pretty funny because you find out what he was supposed to deliver and the second one is like he kind of maybe he passed it i don't know if i'm not gonna say too much but it's good i liked it because it kind of there's a little bit of a, of a, of a gap in that storyline of old man Logan and what happens to uh, Hawkeye in the storyline. So I, I liked it. It was pretty fun.
0: Yeah. The, um, the art is spectacular as well. I, I'm also like, I used to be a bigger Hawkeye fan before like the classic Hawkeye with the purple and blue costume, this, this newer Hawkeye where he's a little more, I don't know, wisecracking, I guess. Uh, Cause he always kind of was, but the thing about Hawkeye, like especially, I think back to when he put together the West Coast Avengers. Like he tried, he he tried to be a hero so hard. Like he, all he cared about was impressing Captain America. Captain America was like his hero, his mentor, he looked up to. Like he, he was always the try so hard to be a hero guy. And now he's kind of like the punchline to the to a joke. And I don't know. He doesn't take himself as seriously anymore. I, I don't know. I feel like something's been lost there um but yeah i mean the, the story was it was okay Uh i thought the art was spectacular for me the art is really what made that story it, it was gorgeous art so oh yeah uh okay up next i have the final issue of kang the conqueror this is from writers jackson lansing and colin kelly carlos magno does the art espen gruttergen is on colors joe caramani on letters I've talked at length about how spectacular this art is, and I feel like based on the level of detail, you know, Kang's been time-traveling all over the place, which means you're constantly drawing kind of this eldritch energy coming out of him as he's traveling. Plus, it's constantly different backgrounds. It's ancient Egypt. It's, it's you know, desolate dinosaur wasteland. It's uh, far in the future with apocalyptic wastelands and you know, science fiction and tech. And just, I mean, Carlos Magno has drawn everything beautifully. I mean, this guy, like I said, a superstar, like pay attention to the name Carlos Magno. He's, he's your next big, big thing at Marvel in terms of, of artists. Like, you know, a lot of them have moved on to, to create their own stuff, Jerome Opina, um, you know, comes to mind, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Magno like get get uh, snatched up by somebody. So Marvel, Marvel, better pay him because this guy's art is is something else, man. It is spectacular. As far as the story, it kind of goes the way you expect it to go. You know, when you're talking about Kang the Conqueror and and time travel and interacting with uh, previous lives, it all ends up being sort of a loop, which is kind of what happens here. But that being said, the danger there for the writers is, okay, well, what's the point? Why did I read it if it's just a circular thing? Um, and it's 100% about the journey that Kang goes on. And we know that Kang's coming in the MCU. We know he's going to increasingly be uh, an important character in the next phase. I don't even know what phase we're on now, three, four, whatever. Um, so this will add a lot of context. And, and you can pick this up five issues and read it on its own it doesn't tie into anything necessarily um and again it it just gives a lot of context into who kang is and i don't know if it's the same creative team i hope that it is i hope it's kelly and lansing because i think they did a fantastic job on this and i certainly hope that it's carlos magno but we do know that um there's another uh, another kang book coming out called timeless number one which it says it's supposed to be on sale twelve twenty two twenty one, 21 which is the same day as this book, but we didn't get a preview for it. And I didn't, uh, I don't think I saw it in the, in the solicits. So uh, it may have gotten pushed back. Maybe it's due to the, the paper shortage. I'm not sure, but we do know there's somewhat of an, uh, an event coming up at Marvel that, uh, that Kang's a part of that has to do with time. So that's probably what's being referenced there. Uh, okay, on to Jay's last book, uh, another aftershock book. It's Chicken Devil number 3 from writer Brian Bucciolato. Bucciolato, sorry. Sorry, Bucci. Uh, Hayden Sherman <laughs> is the artist. Hassan Atzman How does the letters. Uh, wow. <laughs> what a crazy book. What would you think, Jay?
1: Oh, man. Uh, when you sent me the books, I usually have one that I picked to read first. This was the first one I read because the story has been so entertaining uh the colors are just so bright in this but it doesn't fit the story like it's such a dark story uh i love it i just love like you were saying before like some writers don't tell you anything this guy will point lines and arrows where people are hiding and you know you, you, you see this so it's kind of funny in a sense but it's it's got a dark story behind it yeah, it's about uh this guy michael or Mitchell. mitchell he was just trying to just a regular guy owns a business you know hot chicken place and he's not a hero has no training whatsoever and in this issue we see him trying to get you know vengeance for his uh, family but it's just hilarious how to, how it all plays out uh he actually does become a little kind of a kind of a badass in the story i guess in a sense and we get more about his mother in this as well but the ending is the best part because you were so Fish hook and thinking that you knew what was going on in the story, and then all of a sudden, like, no, this is this, that's not true. So, you're like, wow, what happens now? Because <laughs> he's made so many enemies to this point now. And it's definitely my book of the week because it was just so out there, but yeah, but it, you know, it kind of played together the end for him, but now it hasn't. It's kind of back, it's has got to backtrack somehow. Yeah, this it's is my just amazing. <laughs> yeah, this
0: is my book. This is my book of the week, too. It like I've I read the book just enthralled the entire time uh brian buchiletto has done an incredible job of ramping up the drama and the tension and uh the the stakes for for mitchell moss the the whole you know the whole time and and his agency in the story too like he he really kind of pulls himself up by his bootstraps in this issue and, and says okay i'm in this terrible situation and i'm you know i'm gonna get myself out of it um and i think the art does a fantastic job as well very kinetic art fantastic art by by hayden sherman so i'm i'm reading this issue and i'm completely sucked in and i'm loving it and then i get to the end and i'm just like out loud i'm like holy shit this book is good like people need to be reading i mean here are we at chicken devil like wait what this book is damn damn good like you know this is a perfect example of Why Aftershock is such a great publisher because they publish these out of, you know, off the wall titles that, you know, you don't know what to expect. um, And they just blow you away. Uh, Just such a surprise. So if you only buy one book, like that's the whole point of Book of the Week, right? Like if you can only buy one book, what book do we recommend? This is the book we recommend. You need to be reading Chicken Devil. Hopefully, you've read the first couple of issues. Uh, If you haven't, hopefully your comic shop has them. If not, maybe they can order them. But regardless, regardless, you could pick up issue three, I think, without having read issue one and two. Booch does a good enough job of kind of recapping, and you can kind of hit the ground running. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's fantastic. So good. And you're right about the colors as well. I I, I shouted out Hayden Sherman uh, for his line work, but his color work's fantastic uh, also. Uh, okay, last book for me is Trial of Magneto, number five, from writer Leia Williams. Lucas Wernock does the art, Edgar Delgado on colors, Clayton Cowell on letters. Uh, more great art. Lucas Wernock's art is, is fantastic, detailed, and uh, interesting backgrounds. The magic and the energy of, uh, of Scarlet Witch and, and the powers of the mutants are, are very well displayed. Some emotional issue as we find out who killed uh, Scarlet Witch and why. Um, And then ultimately it sort of ends up as I speculated in the beginning, when when it first came out, I I wondered if Marvel was looking for a way to redeem Scarlet Witch. It sort of seems like that's how it's all going to play out, but we don't know because the book there's a couple of things that happen right at the end. And then we don't really get to see like the consequences of those things or, or, or the reaction that people have to the, the things that are done. So it's really interesting. It's, it, it leaves Scarlet Witch in a really, really interesting place. And I, I loved kind of the, um, the voice that Leah Williams gave Scarlet Witch, uh, you know, being that she was, supposedly dead when the series started i feel like we didn't get as much of her from leah williams as i would have liked what what i really would love coming out of this is actually a a scarlet witch miniseries or even a scarlet witch ongoing but it needs to be written by Leia because uh, again i think she's got something interesting to say about uh about scarlet witch and her relationship so um i can't i can't imagine that marvel chose to you know take scarlet witch down this road of of redemption and if it that's truly what it is um if they didn't have plans big plans for her in the immediate future so i guess we'll have to wait and see uh i i, I also speculated that they would confirm that she's a mutant uh again because she has been and then hasn't and then you know it's gone back and forth it, they didn't really do that so The door is still open on that, whether she's a a mutant or not. So uh, anyway, let me give a rundown on some of the other books you might want to be on the lookout for that are in comic shops today. Uh, I think we talked about the two regular Aftershock books, but there are uh, a couple of trade paperbacks. There's the Bequest trade paperback. There's the Project Patron uh, trade paperback from Steve Orlando. It's excellent. And then the Undone by Blood volume two or the Other Side of Eden trade paperback, which uh, also was... Was really really good uh and then over at boom we have house of slaughter number three a lot of people are digging that from james tynan at dark horse we have the second issue of brian michael bendis and stephen burns uh, joy operations uh series so five issues in total second issues out uh dc comics had 12 books out that we reviewed again yesterday on our spotlight DC Spotlight, so go listen to those if you feel like it, but it's Batman Catwoman number nine. We have Batman One Dark Knight, number one of three. That's written and drawn by Jock. Batman versus Bigby, A Wolf in Gotham, number four of six, which is a must-read for any fans of fables, as it's by um, Bill Willingham and ties in, has some characters from his uh, fable series. Catwoman number 38, which is Ron V's final issue. We have Catwoman Lonely City, number two of four from Cliff Chang, which is far and away my dc book of the week was so good uh justice league incarnate number two 205 from joshua williamson and a host of artists that book was a lot of fun it's clear that josh is having a blast uh and that th- that book and and the story big story that josh is telling with uh the dc multiverse is going to have some pretty serious consequences in 2022 uh nightwing number 87 a lot of people will be talking about bruno redondo the artist basically drew one giant panel or one giant uh like single page that with multiple panels really it's one panel i don't think there's any panel breaks but basically it's nightwing just moving th- this kinetic movement throughout the whole entire issue like if you if you cut it up and laid it out it would be like one long uh string of movement from nightwing it's it's fantastic really interesting uh newbie on the amazon's number three of six uh, is also out today Robin's number two from uh, Tim Seeley. Then we have the Suicide Squad King Shark mini, number four of six. Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, number six of eight from Tom King. Great art by Bilkos Eveli. Beautiful colors by Mateus Lopez. Probably what I would consider like a Wonder Woman year zero, or or, uh, Supergirl rather, year zero. It's a must read. Uh, Supergirl is an, an important character in the DC universe, and this is the kind of the best, I won't say origin story, because We all know how she gets her powers. It's it's not how she gets her powers or what have you, but it's really the story of her journey from Krypton to Earth and how that journey is so inherent and intrinsic in who she is and the just choices that she makes. So fantastic. By far and away the best issue of the series so far. Incredible work by Tom King. Uh, And then we also have Wonder Woman, Evolution, number two of six from uh, Stephanie Phillips with art by Mike, Mike Hawthorne. Uh, meanwhile, over at uh, Image, in addition to the books that we already talked about, we've got Gunslinger Spawn, number three, with some fantastic Brett Booth art. Uh, Mirka Adolfo's Sweet Paprika, number six of 12, so that's halfway done. Uh, and also Time Before Time, number eight from Declan Shelby, uh, which we wanted to talk about, but again, we just didn't have enough time to, to cover everything. Uh, over at marvel there's a few other books i mentioned amazing spider-man number 51 uh, also the new black panther series uh, has its second issue hitting stands so does the hawkeye kate bishop series so if you're loving the hawkeye series on uh on disney plus might want to check that out it's a five issue mini uh there's a new king conan mini-series starting uh issue number one of six hit stands today um We've got a new Miss Marvel as well. Miss Marvel Beyond the Limit, number one. That's also a limited with five uh, issues. Sword number 11 is on stands. Over in the Star Wars corner of the Marvel Universe, we've got Star Wars Darth Vader 19 and Star Wars The High Republic Trail of the Shadows, number three of five. Uh, Venom number three, the new version of uh, Venom written, written by Ram V, art by Brian Hitch is out today. Uh, and then finally at Marvel, Wolverine number 19, uh, which I think Wolverine is still being written by uh, by Benjamin Percy. Uh, and then uh, Valiant has Harbinger number three coming out. And, uh, and that's the last book that I'll mention. Do you have anything else that you wanted to shout out, Jay?
1: with that it was uh comicology i guess clear number three would be out if you got access to that yeah Yeah, so that's actually been we got me on that that's actually really good so i enjoy that a lot and then another book i enjoy is by uh terry moore uh by astrak studio is serial number nine it's about a serial killer from like his get ready so i guess we read terry moore's books to get the main character zoe because she's in there but she's like a serial killer that doesn't age just like a kid but in this one it's like the big final, like the big fight uh battle between her and the other serial killer uh killer jenny so i've been looking forward to that but it's been a fun series and i do like terry moore's work
0: yeah i'm glad you mentioned clear i would have forgotten yeah so those books come out on tuesdays uh scott snyder's original stuff uh clear number two or three actually very very good also um night of the ghoul that he does with um with francesco francovia had its third issue come out as well so uh yeah definitely check those out those are fantastic books so uh, that's going to do it, everybody. Uh, again, we want to wish you uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Hope you all enjoy your, uh, your time off of work. Hope you all get time off work. Hope you get a chance to enjoy it. Spend time with family and friends. Um, be safe. You know, Wear a mask if you're going out anywhere uh, to see movies or whatnot. Uh, can't be too careful these days with this new, new COVID variant and the never-ending pandemic. So uh, that being said, we thank you all for your support as always. We appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Merry Christmas. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple.